Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Knives Monroe. Thank you for listening. I'm honored. For the first time in 2020, I have a guest face-to-face. I've been doing a lot of remote talks, and they're not my favorite. And I'm actually talking to one of my favorite artists ever and, and, and a great a great man. Thank you so much for coming into my home during a pandemic. Mr. Adam Moya, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure, man. Um, I got to say, I'm tripping out. This is surreal <laughs> to me. This is so cool. Um, we met nine years ago. Uh, what was the, the 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 place I saw you for the first time? I think it it wasn't Roosevelt's. It was another place called like Aces or something. Spoken Aces. Was it? It might have been Aces. It, yeah. And, and I remember going out on mission. Me, I, possibly. I can recall me and my friends, we were scouting to make, I mean, we were just hungry videographer people. And my friend Mark had a had a web series, and I think I knew he was trying to do a variety show element, and I knew, well, you know what, music would be really, really cool with that. So we were scouting for, for musical talent. We found a couple of guys, and then we found Landlocked Pirates. Oh, cool, Pirates. Cool name, cool bunch of young bucks. It was like, what is this about? And... You know, I've had the pleasure of seeing some pretty cool acts in my time, but that one, I'll never forget that, dude. I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I can remember <laughs> the first time I saw Landlocked Pirates and I heard your pipes and I was like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. No smoke. And I've told you this before off mic. It was like watching Nirvana for the first time. It was like watching Nirvana play Bleach before they ever made music videos. It was like, is this fucking happening like this is in the valley i have to ask are you uh are you a light-skinned hispanic yeah so me as well and seeing someone that looks like me take stage in the valley and just wail like had a profound impact on me in, in, in many different ways this was a set i couldn't even tell you the tracks that you guys played but you played four or five songs you had the a crowd of maybe 50 to 70 people in the in, in the palm of your hands and it was one of those moments where I don't have a musical bone in my body, but I felt like I want to be a rock star. I want to do that. How does anybody do that? I miss those shows so much because of the crowds, the people. It, like we were a very lively band, you know. We were rowdy. I used to jump through drum sets at the end of every set. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Like we were, we were rowdy. Yes. But it was always, you know, the more I was able to give of myself to the crowd the more the crowd gave back to me and then it became like this cyclical just energy and to this day one of my favorite things in the world is playing songs for people because i feel like even if it's a one-on-one thing um it it doesn't matter how many people are in front of me the more i give the more it seems to be received and, and and that's it's one of the best feelings in the whole world there's honestly I think the only thing I love more than that is my son. Yeah. How is he doing? He's good. He's yeah? six now. 
I can't even imagine. I don't think I've seen a picture of him or anything, so I don't know what kind of. I don't really share a lot of stuff online anymore. My life, I, get I keep it. very private to myself. Obviously, I just, I, I just I like it that way. Yeah. Um, I'll show you some pictures in the little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking, I can't he's imagine. Hilarious, dude. What's he into? Uh, video games. Like yeah. pretty him. He's six. He's six years old. So you know, wow. Fortnite is really, really big. Um, we had to get kind of creative during this whole pandemic thing to like spend time together. Um, and one of the ways that I figured out what we could do is we, we play video games every day. Yeah. So every night at seven o'clock, like I jump online and, and he and I play like Minecraft together or Fortnite or, <laughs> you know, we, that's cool. We play games, oh, man. That's awesome. Especially now, man. Like I remember when the pandemic hit, like in March, everything was sold out. Like people knew, you know, they were yeah. prepared to stay home for sure. But that's cool, man. And I, I look forward to seeing pictures of him because I can't imagine like we had kids we knocked up gals around the same time, yeah. like weirdly, and we got kids around the same time. I think they're like a month apart, man, or maybe two months apart. Yeah, and so like that's just wild. And so I can kind of having a boy, I can't imagine because I, I I have a fifteen year old stepson. He's nuts. He's into games as well. My daughter, like if she, I couldn't imagine a male me, <laughs> I just couldn't. He's, a female version's oh, enough. Oh man, he's he's a little smartass, which makes me happy. <laughs> Uh, we watch monster movies together. I'm, oh. I love horror movies. They're just one of my favorites. So we watch things like Aliens and stuff. And That's like so cool. when someone dies in the movie, he's like, well, dumbass, like if you didn't walk down that hallway, you would have been fine. I'm like, he's got wow. the attitude. Yeah. That's so cool, man. Um, but if you were to tell 22-year-old me that that you'd be here in my space, like on my podcast, like I, I wouldn't fucking believe it. Um, you, this is going to sound so hyperbolic, and I'm sorry if this makes you uncomfortable, but... Seeing you guys play live, and I've I've been on stage taking photos and videos of you guys. I've been in the audience, you know, and it it feels like you guys are bigger than life. You guys feel untouchable. It, it would be like watching you know, Dave Chappelle's coming to Austin in, um, in, a, in a couple of days, and it would be like watching that. It'd be like, I can't touch that guy. He's untouchable. That's how you guys were. That's how you still are in my eyes, man. Well, that's very nice of you. I know it's a little weird. I'd feel uncomfortable if somebody told me that. I'd be like, okay, I'm just yo. a monkey. I say the same thing, but you know, it's just it's just nuts having you here, man. So uh, how much time do you have? Um, I've got a good hour or two. Okay, cool. Time. Cool, cool, cool. I want to I wanna be mindful of your time for sure. Um, so I, I have just a, a couple of questions. I, wanna, I know you have your guitar and, and I want to hear some music, but um, just for contextually for my listeners how did you get into music uh i i grew up in a pretty musical family my mom sang in the church choir uh, my dad tried to sing in the church choir uh i played the violin when i was 10 years old i was in mariachi mm-hmm. uh i've just i've played music my whole life uh mariachi had a huge in like impact on me um there's a difference between like classical music and uh, and playing mariachi for people. I remember the first the first gig I ever did in the high school mariachi, we played at like a high school pep rally or something, like before a football game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, classical music, it's fair. You, I sit here, the crowd's over there, people politely clap when it's done. And, and you know, it's cool, and I love classical music still. Yeah. But with mariachi, man, like you're, you're up in people's faces – and again, it's kind of like I was talking with the pirates. The more you give, the more the crowd gives back, mm-hmm. and and that energy changed my life. Yeah, like I knew from that moment on, like I want to perform music for people because it's the tits. Yeah, it's interesting that you discovered a passion by doing it 
growing up, did you ever see heroes or icons that maybe struck a chord with you and you're like, I want to try that? What's that like? Uh, did you have heroes like that? Not so. My family has terrible taste in music. Mm. Um, <laughs> I grew up listening to like The Sound of Music and Garth Brooks, and I can't stand either of them. Uh, it's just not my jam. Like, you know, if it is, if it's for you, that's cool. It's yeah. just I don't much care for it. Yep. So, I really started discovering music in my teens, um, when I discovered things like punk rock and metal and indie rock and just all of those things. Um, Who are your guys? I guess you know. I take it back. I retract that statement. There was one band that, when I saw them, I was like, I want to fucking do that. Um, and it was the December Drive. I've never heard of them. Uh, they were a local Valley band. They were an indie band from from the Valley. Really? Uh, my sister Cassie was dating their lead guitarist mm. when I was like 16 years old, 15 years old. Do you remember that guy's name? Toby. Really? Wow. Was Toby. And uh, I went to go, you know, at these little shows at a place like Athena's Coffee Shop, like little little places around McAllen where you see like punk rock bands and shit, like the VFW. I remember that. And... Uh, and I got to see the December Drive, and it—I mean, it really just blew my mind. I was like, "That—that's." Hmm. I remember hearing that sound for the first time, and it was just different than anything that I'd listened to because, again, Garth Brooks in the Sound of Music, oh, uh, and they—they wow. they did like indie rock, and it—it just blew me away. It was hmm. something I'd never heard before. It made me feel things that I didn't know I could feel in my heart with music. Yeah. Um. And I—I I fell in love with that band. I was probably their biggest groupie. Sure how long how long before you wrote your first song and how do you begin to write your first song uh so my first band was called no clue hmm. uh, was it k-n-o-w were you trying to be edgy oh uh, no it was no clue because <laughs> my my nephew at the time watched a bunch of blues clues hmm. um and we were 16 and we thought it was funny yeah uh and i somehow got wrangled into being the singer for the band and I didn't really sing like I kind of sang in mariachi a little bit but that was it mm. um and I didn't play guitar I didn't really so one of my friends played the guitar and another played the bass and like we got a drummer here and there we never actually played a show uh wow. was, we just made noise in garages really yeah um and that's when I started writing songs and they were terrible yeah. just so bad like how were they bad like, give me an example uh poorly crafted songs i didn't sing in tune very well my voice hadn't kind of found itself like the way i sing now compared to what i was trying to do when i was 16 night and day how did you find the way you sing now um by refusing to shut up yeah uh i'm slightly contrary how do you mean well you know when someone tells me you can't do that i generally say well fuck you i'm gonna do that because mm. i want to now i want to even more yeah uh I had finished a mariachi gig, and uh, we were walking back to the car. My family came out to see it, and my sister Cassie, I'll never fucking forget. She looked at me, she goes, uh, maybe you should just stick to the violin and like not do the singing thing so much. And I was like, well, fuck you, dude. Um, and then, as I was discovering my voice, and just, I wasn't good, you know, like, you, you get good by doing it over and over and over again. Hmm. I remember I had friends who were like, dude, stop singing. Like, you're just loud. Like, you're, you need to stop. And I just refused to. Wow. That's it. It was just perseverance. Yeah. I, I've seen you play live maybe five to ten times. You're so confident on stage. Like, I've seen mainstream acts, you know, like you have, I'm sure. And I've never seen anybody with your confidence. Something magical happens. I, I call my guitar my power animal. 
I hate public speaking. Like I, I get real nervous. I get flushed. I sweat profusely. Like it's disgusting. Hmm. Uh, but you put a guitar in front of me and give me a microphone and something just kind of takes over. And do you like get into a character or something? A persona? I think we, especially in the early pirate days, I definitely did. I mean, we wore the vest and the ties and yeah. we were super rowdy and I jumped through drum sets. And I think that was kind of a persona I took on. on like it started off as a persona and then it slowly just kind of became who I am mm. on a stage. Like now that's just, that's just what I do. I get very into the songs that I play and I get very emotional about things. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's a persona. Maybe it's mm. just kind of an extension of myself that is hard for me to share with the world when I'm not playing songs. Yeah. You turned up to 11 maybe. Yeah. How did Landlocked Pirates form? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Uh, it's so... I had a bunch of songs. I just, you know, because I write songs. Mm -hmm. um, and a friend of mine named Steve, he had some recording equipment. So it started off with just me recording acoustic songs and him recording like percussion stuff in the background. Mm. Um, and we made a little album. It was called Sin, Sex, and Sarcasm. Yep. Because those are three of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. What were the tracks on that album? Uh, oh, man. Um... Let's see. It was like th like four or five tracks, right? Oh, it was like ten tracks. Oh, I don't think I have this then. Yeah, it's I have like one copy on a hard drive somewhere. Oh my god! Um, and it's really poorly recorded. Back it up on the cloud, man. Yeah, it's but it's it's there, and I mean, so one of the the, the title track was called "Sin, Sex, and Sarcasm" because the, that was one of the songs, um, and like being a drunk uh, was on there. Uh, Peter and his keys. Mm. Um, or with the song about how this guy, like, he knew the devil was coming for him. And he knew, like, because he hung out with degenerates and like, God probably wasn't going to let him in. Or Peter, like, you know, guarding the gates mm. of heaven wasn't going to let him in. So uh, he took his soul and he, he tied it to some keys and he tossed them out into the ocean. So oh. when the devil was pulling his soul down out of heaven, he grabbed the keys to the gates of heaven and was like, ha I got my soul and the keys to heaven. I'm getting in now, fucker. Wow. And, like, sneaks his way into heaven. That's a cool song. That's a cool story. Um... Yeah, there are a lot of songs like that. Like, it's, I really started, like, developing my storytelling chops in that album. When you get the, you know, and, and you guys have, have had different, uh, a different lineup with Landlocked Pirates, and then it, yeah, I remember Business for Thieves. There was a Business for Thieves for a little yeah, while. Yeah, I remember. Um, there was this one track, and I'll get to it later, on SoundCloud. Dude, I must have heard it, like, 20 times a day, every day for maybe two years. Um, but when you grab the original crew, the original band, is there a discussion that's had of, Hey, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. Don't write this. I'll take care of this. Or like, how does that get figured out? It kind of happened organically. Like, so my friend Steve, who helped me record that first album, he was also a very talented lead guitar player. Um, and he and I had really great, uh, chemistry together when it came to the songwriting. Is this Gutierrez? Uh, no, Steve Nagia. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, dead ringer for young Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Fuck spot on. Mm -hmm. Um, so he and I would write songs to I would be like, okay, I can, I had, I would come up with a song. I'm like, okay, here's a concept. Um, and then, you know, we would hash it out and I'd write all the lyrics and shit and he'd write lead guitar parts and then we'd bring it to the band and be like, all right, band, this is what we have. You're the bass player. Figure it out. You're the drummer. I trust you. 
figure, figure out something. You know, and sometimes there'd be a little bit of direction. I'd be like, hey, you should do like a little more chug-a-lug on that part, or this needs to be like booming and a lot of tom work. Um, but for the most part, I've I've had the really good fortune to work with great musicians. Mm. So I don't really have to tell them anything. I just have to be like, look, here's a song. And then they magically write parts that make my song sound good. Wow. is Was there because you know how, how guys are, and from my experience, you know, for some people... I'm not their cup of tea. I have a very animated personality, I'll say. And people confuse that with egocentric and arrogant and things like that, which, you know, I can understand. Um, not for not without reason, right? Um, but when you get a, a, a couple guys together, like was was there an ego? Was like how do you have those conversations? You know, uh, being in a band is like being in one of the worst relationships you've ever been in because there's fighting and all that stuff, and nobody ever gets laid. Like there's no makeup sex because you're not having sex with your bandmates. Um, oh, okay, so you're saying that you're confirming that right now? There was none of that. There was none. There was no sex between any of the bandmates. <laughs> That's uh, but. I mean, there there were fights. Like, how does that synthesis... When do you say, okay, we got it, let's move on to something else, or what? Um, usually, that would be me making those decisions yeah. most of the time. Because they're they're my songs. Um, hmm. So I'd be like, all right, well, I mean, if, if something wasn't what I wanted it to be, then usually just a discussion. Like, mm, I don't know about that part, maybe we can change it to this. But again, most of the time, the musicians I worked with were just wonderful, and I didn't have to worry about doing those things. Mm. I, I just had these great people that I got to work with. They did all the hard work for me, really. What are some of your favorite highlights during the Landlocked Pirates run? Um, our comeback show that we played at Simon Says. We just finished recording... Um, Another Drink, which is a little EP. It's on Spotify. Uh, I had just signed a contract with Doug Goldstein, the manager of Guns N' Roses. Um, And we did this comeback show at Simon Says, because that's the first place we ever really got to play as a band. I think that's where it was. Where it was I Simon Says? Yeah. yeah. That's what it was. I couldn't remember the name. Simon Says, little shitty dive bar. I love that place. Yeah, I still remember it. And we and it was just an exhausting weekend. Like I did a, an acoustic performance the Friday before, and then we, my bass player flew in from Colorado, and we practiced all Saturday and all Sunday to make sure we had these five tracks down, and then we hit the studio on Monday, and we recorded all of our songs on Monday, and then on the like the Tuesday following, I went and did all the vocal parts, and we had some extra time, so we were able to bring in like a horn section for one of the songs, which is my favorite um and then that wednesday following we did that show at simon says and we put on like a two-hour set and i mean i was exhausted absolutely exhausted i hadn't i've been so stressed about like the recording and all the stuff that i mean i slept maybe three hours the whole weekend i ate twice fuck like i did eating and sleeping weren't priorities at the time um wow and we packed simon says we were easily beyond their capacity i mean it was shoulder to shoulder from the stage of simon says all the way to the door uh you could move the the, i feel really bad for the bartenders they did not think like we didn't think that this many people would show up and i mean it was just slam packed 
and people sing along to some of the old songs that we have, uh, which is one of the best feelings in the whole world. Yep. When you've got a whole room full, hundreds of people who are singing your words to your songs. Like, I remember at one point, I just stepped back from the microphone and kept playing, and they sang the chorus, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like, this, it was, it was a humbling and wonderful experience. I cried at the end. Like, were you able to soak it in, enjoy it, be present uh, amidst all that stress? Uh, I think during the performance, it was just kind of one of those things. Like, you just, I'm there to perform. So while I was on stage, it, it, it's a high, it's a rush. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the bar went through, they ran out of beer almost. Wow. They, we had three, like, they always had in the freezers three giant bottles of Jaeger. Mm. Uh, and we drank all of the Jaeger in Simon Says. Wow. Like they were, I mean, it was stupid good. Yeah. Um, but during the performance, you know, it was it was a performance. It's what you do. You, like, you dress up in your vest and your tie and you yeah. make sure all your pedals are right. And then you play songs the best that you can for the people who decided to come out to support you. Did... I, I know I went to one of your goodbye shows. I don't know if it was the one. But I went to one. You guys may have had like a farewell tour. Yeah, Kurt, we did. Well, I went to one. I want to say it was like April 15. Yeah, and it was at uh, Aces North in McAllen. Correct. And well, we, I didn't think the band was going to be able to go on anymore. I That's just had right. my son. Uh, my wife at the time had her stroke. Um, so life was just a little chaotic. And, and I didn't know if. You know, I was going to be able to do any more music anymore. So we did a farewell show. And that one, that one got rowdy. Yep. There was crowd surfing. Uh, I remember at the end, that's right, we brought uh, Dezora and some of the Los Cagaleros on stage with us. And they played Omi right. Mai with us at the end of the night. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We got rowdy during that show. That was a yeah. good one. That was the last time I saw you guys live. And so that big show after your recording was after. Yeah, that was after. That was, I think, in 2008. Six seventeen. Oh wow! Okay. Twenty seventeen. Did by then I must have moved. Did landlock pirates die? Pretty much. When did it die, and how did it die? Uh, so I uh, I'm divorced now, right? And after I asked for the divorce, uh, some really terrible accusations came out about me. That are all fucking false. Um, and it ruined my name. It ruined the band name oh. for a lot of people. Uh, I lost a lot of friends over it. And I just, I personally spiraled into a terrible deep depression. Damn, it, man. I'm sorry. I, it I, took me years to I really didn't know. Like recover I didn't know that. It. Yeah, it, it's, it's taken me several years to get to like a, a place in my mental health where I'm not sad all the time. What, what year was that? Like, when was the event? 2017. Fuck. We had just had our comeback show, and a month later, it all went to shit. Like, oh. we had that great show at Simon Says where we packed yeah. the walls and rocked everybody's socks off. Yeah. Uh, and then it all fell apart. Fuck. When did you recover? When did you realize, like, I'm out of the darkness? Uh, it started this year. Really? It took probably until this year for me to start. I didn't realize how much, like, my wife having her stroke and then the accusations and losing my band and losing my family and, lose, like, just all of these things that had 
happened, I didn't realize how much it had turned me into an angry, depressed human being. And I had become a very angry, depressed human being. Um, angry, depressed. Yeah. What is, because uh, I know like, I know the depression where I'm in my bed, I can't take off my shoes and I can't, I can't do anything like a, like a paralyzing depression. What is angry, depressed? Uh, a little bit of that, you know, there are days where I just, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't clean, couldn't eat, couldn't, I just sit there and sulk all day long. Um, and then anger that I, I pushed away a lot of the people that are important in my life. Why'd you do that? I think I, I was partly scared. All these accusations happened and, and I'd already lost a bunch of friends over that. And I think because of that, I became angry, which led to the depression as well. Um, yeah, and shit, shit went sideways. And that left me just angry. I was mad and I didn't want to deal with anybody. It's one of the reasons I'm not on social media anymore. Like, I don't want my life out there. It still, to this day, kind of scares me to be part of any kind of world outside of my immediate friends and immediate family. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah. we hear a lot in cultural osmosis, which is another way of fucking saying the internet about cancel culture. You feel like that happened to you? Yep. It did happen to you. Absolutely. Uh, we were going to play a show and they, people like boycotted it. Like they protested one of my shows once. Um, they called all the other bands like you can't play with this fucking monster. Uh, and, and people just dropped like flies for a while. Like it, and a bunch of people that I thought were close to me and knew me better than that. Uh, people that I had shared the stage with before. And for me, that's a very special thing. Yeah. Like sharing the stage with someone is important. Like this is my religion. This is, this is where I find some of the greatest joy and peace in my life. And that's being on stage. And sharing that with people I think is important. Uh, and it means something. You know, I've never talked to anybody let alone someone that I care about who's been quote unquote canceled. Um, what, so this is like a question I've never found, I've never found myself thinking of asking what could the people who didn't believe you, who abandoned you essentially, or, or what have you, what could they have done different? Do you think? And, and I'm not looking at it. I'm looking at it as, as someone, who, you know, if I'm ever in that situation and there's, someone where I'm in that scenario. I'm a big believer in there are, you know, when to double down as a friend or as a brother, like this guy really needs me even at his lowest, at his lowest, he really needs a brother right now. That's what he needs. I had what could these those. people like those, those people still exist in my life and I love them. Um, sorry, I thought I turned the volume on this down. It's all good, man. I'm still making noise. You, uh, are, you are a hot shot. I knew it. <laughs> Just so popular, I'm man. So popular. Is uh, that Spotify right now? You're getting dings every time. Spotify, no. uh, what could they have done different? Ask what does someone questions. do? Ask questions. Like instead, when you hear something really horrible, is it about any somebody, of their business? Well, you know, when you see, when you hear something really horrible, when someone when someone's accusing someone of doing horrible, monstrous things, and they're your friend, or at least you think you know them, I, I think you you know, ask questions, give them a chance to at least defend themselves before you just wholeheartedly and without any other thought cancel them um do you think those people would have listened to you i don't know 
I'd like to believe so. I still think people are pretty decent yeah. most of the time. So a three-year, you know, I look at it like this is me being an optimist. Um, depression, like being in a, in a cocoon and hopefully you emerge, right? Um, three years, you're in the sunken place. Um, how do you get out? Uh, good friends. I still, I still to this day have some very good friends and they have just been there for me. I mean, it's, it's people, people are the most important things in your life and they can hurt you the most, but they can also help you save yourself from yourself when, when you need it. Yeah. And I was, I'm very lucky to have some friends who did that for me. Oh man, um, what is your relationship with the RGV like? It's an entity. It is, and uh, you know, I I miss some of the people down in the RGV. Um, I miss some of them, but I don't ever really want to go back. Yeah, you you couldn't pay me enough money to move back to the RGV. And why is that? I think it's still a little behind the times. Um. And I just don't feel like I belong there anymore. I, I left it. I moved to Houston. I lived there for about a year and a half. How did Houston treat you? I love Houston. Yeah. I mean, I was still going through my own personal shit, and that kind of ruined like my Houston time because I did it to myself. Um, but I love Houston. I know everybody's talked shit about it, but I think it's a great city. Everyone there that I worked with, that I made fr- became friends with, took me in with open arms. They didn't know me. I was just this new guy who showed up out of nowhere. And they they took me in and, and treated me like a friend. And that's something that I think I needed. You're a wicked musician who has put in the reps. I know a lot of aspiring musicians who have lofty dreams but haven't put in the reps. And so I feel like their road is really, really long. You know, they're still on home base. They haven't, you know, hit the ball yet. For someone who's been around the block a few times, what is your thoughts on music scenes? You know, right now, all of America, there's no scene, yeah. right? But Austin has the reputation for being the Austin live music yeah. capital of the world. Um, what are your thoughts on where it is? You know, for someone who's a creative, um, I don't know if you identify as an extrovert or an introvert, but surely... You know, you said to yourself, performing is like your church, you know. What does that future look like? I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not really going out and playing in the bars right now. Uh, people and everyone that I've played for in Austin has been really receptive of the music that I play. I've, you know, people seem to like my shit. And that's always a good feeling. Yeah. So hopefully in, you know, the near future, I can go back to playing songs for people. Um, I don't know much about the scene here because I moved here last December and then three months later, you know, pandemic and everything shut down. Um, for a little while, I did ha- I had a, a regular Sunday gig at Hole in the Wall. I mm. played every Sunday. How was that? It was fun. I really enjoyed it. Sometimes there was three people in the bar. Sometimes there was 20. Wow. 
Let really me know nice. next time you you play anywhere. Yeah, I'll I mean, be... I don't know where that's gonna be. Yeah, these days it's gonna happen, but it's, it will because because I love this shit. Yeah, I can't stop. I know. What um, are your ideas with technology and and performing? How do you marry those two? Like, I have this delusion if I was a talented musician. I'd be on Facebook Live every day, and I'd be putting on shows. Is that conceivable? Is that realistic? Uh, I did that for a little bit with a roommate that I had when I first moved here. Um, I don't enjoy it as much. Yeah, it's not the same. It's just not the same. Because, uh, like I said, playing for people—that's that's where that's where my heart's at. And playing into a camera just doesn't. It just doesn't feel the same. It's not. It's not what I enjoy. Um, I, I. But you know, the times they are changing, and that seems to be what people are doing a lot now. So every once in a while, like when I write a new song, I'll put it on my Facebook page. My Facebook yeah. page. I'll post it up. I'm like, hey, look, here's a new little thing. But like playing shows for like Facebook Live and stuff, I personally don't enjoy it. May I ask you, just just occurred to me, what's the biggest payday you've ever got from a live show, a performance? Yeah. Uh, I think it was the that last time in the show, and we made like a thousand bucks. Wow. Um, from the door, like we made a thousand, and then like from liquor sales too, like we got it, we got a cut of that because yeah. they were yep. astronomical. But usually, you know, I get like nothing. What are your ambitions and goals for? I mean. What do you, what do you, how do you get satiated? Obviously, you know, the dopamine of playing in front of a crowd, but what about, what about money and fame and stuff like that? You know, surely there's a, surely there's a relationship with technology to be seen. Uh, I wrestle with this as well. I figure... If people are going to listen to my music, they're going to listen to my music. And, you know, I can put it on Spotify. I think I'm actually going to record again soon, which I'm pretty excited about. Wow. Uh, my friend Vicky Camacho, she's got a beautiful voice. Um, we've known each other since, like, middle school. Uh, and she and I write some, I think, really beautiful things together. So, you know, that'll happen. And then I think she's moving here to Austin, so maybe if she moves here to Austin, we can, you know, play some so shows together and just kind of see where it goes from there. I think getting in, like... If you're if you're going into it with like I'm gonna be fucking famous, I don't think that's healthy. Yeah, I don't think that's a healthy mindset. If you do it because you love it, and then maybe people catch on and people notice that you love it and that passion is shared with the world. If that gets me famous, that'd be real cool. I mean, if I could just play music and not work ever again, that'd be awesome. But I don't want to get famous if it's for the wrong reasons. Like I want I want to. I want people to like my music because it's emotional and, and powerful to them in some way. Uh, and that seems to be enough for me, honestly. Like, I mean, yeah, there's that bit of me that's like, it would be really cool to play like giant arenas and shit, because who doesn't want to do that? Like, you'd be lying to yourself if you said you didn't. Um, that's just not the goal anymore. I think it might have been when I was younger, but now I just like playing music. When you were in the depth of the sunken place, 
Did it taint your relationship with music, your love, your passion for it? Yeah, I didn't write. I didn't. I didn't write anything or play anything for like two years. Wow. I just. Wow. Why? Because you couldn't. Yeah. Uh, did, did they did they take that away from you? Kinda, yeah. For two years, I didn't. I mean, I went to a couple open mic nights here and there. Uh, but I mean, it'd be like once every three months. I'd go and sing some songs at an open mic night. And then I wasn't. I didn't write any new music. I didn't write any new songs. I didn't touch my guitar. It just sat there and collected dust. I used my guitar amp as a TV stand. Wow. Those fuckers. I'm sorry, man. It fucking sucks. Such is life. Yeah. I feel like someone's going to dig up something on me and my time will come. And I don't even know how to... I mean, it's really easy to say, I'll handle it with grace. You know, you just... Yeah. I don't know. It's like a, it's like a fighter getting knocked out in public. Like, yeah. It fucking hurts publicly. It, it publicly hurt. It, and again, it, I mean, it really did affect me. It, I, I fell apart. Enough to where I didn't play music for two years. Yeah. It's devastating, man. Well, here you are in 2020. Um, you said you have some new tracks. I do. I've been writing this year. So I, so I started writing again, which was really exciting to me. How do you know when a song is done? Uh, you just know. Um, it feels right. Like I've got so... Like there's one that I just wrote. So my, my camper that I live in, uh, her name is Montana. And I love my camper. Um, when I first moved in, it was dirty. Mm. Like no one had lived in it for like a long time. Um, there was like a leak in the roof. Like there was just, it was just bereft of love. Um, and I, I spent days just cleaning and rearranging and, and making it a space where I was comfortable by myself. So I, I fell in love with my camper and I wrote a love song to my camper. It's called Montana meets Texas and it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it's beautiful it's, it's hands down I think like one of the more beautiful songs I've ever written um, and what I realized like while like during the process of writing this it's also very like an emotional thing it, I realized that it's not so much that I'm in love with a camper it's I'm in love with this space that I've created for myself this this new form of comfort this this new home that I that I have and then you know when the, when the lyrics seem like they're done when and you should see my lyric books. They're they're full of scratch outs and cross. Like I mean, it. I look like a crazy person writing. Writing shit down, and I'll burn through the same lines over and over and over and over and over again until I find the right syntax and the right phrasing and the right message that I'm trying to convey in the song. Um, and then when it's done, you know, it just it just feels right. It feels like a song. Like, before it's done, it just kind of feels like a patchwork of notes and ideas. But when it's done, you, you, you just feel it. When I was a little kid and I heard yesterday for the first time, you know, the the impression I got being a dumbass was, okay, the, the Beatles got into the studio and somebody clicked record and, and they played the whole thing and that's that. And that was it. So, <laughs> I mean, but I have a feeling it's not like that. Um, when you write something like, oh, Albatross... That one took me like nine months to write. I was gonna ask, like, does does it come in pieces? Does it come in chunks? Like, how do you know it's like, oh, here it is. Here's the silhouette. Here's the shape. Like, how do you know? 
How do you chisel that? Some song, like, there's some songs that I've written in one sitting. I sat down and the song was like, here's a fucking song. Um, <laughs> wow. And that's, that's very rare. It doesn't normally happen that way. Mm. Um, that's like catching a big fish. Yeah, it's just uh, early morning whiskey songs. I wrote that mm. one in one sitting. Like, I sat down with a bottle of whiskey at like seven in the morning. And early morning whiskey songs was the result of that. Wow. Uh, Songs like Albatross, you know, I remember I came up with the with the guitar parts for it, and I knew I wanted it to be something nautically themed. I knew that much. Wow. And then I played around with lyrics for nine months. It took me to figure out, like, what the story was going to be, and who this, who this the narrator was, and what was his journey, and all that kind of stuff. It took me a while. Um, and it's kind of like process of elimination. I feel like it's a... Chiseling away is the best way to think about it. Um, it's like you have a piece of granite in front of you, and the song's hidden in there. Like, it's inside the granite. And you start chiseling off a corner here and a corner there, and you shave it down over there. And, and before you know it, you're like, okay, well, this is this is the shape of this thing that I've been trying to make. Yeah. That's, wow. Well, I'd love that's to hear it. I'd love to hear your, your love song for my your camper. My love song for my camper. Yes, sir. Get comfortable. Do what you need to do. And um, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Moya. I'm falling in faster than you're falling apart. Like it when we work on your dreams that are tarnished and forgot. Can't shake these silly pains. I've been crying for days. Least I got Montana and her heart and her embrace. She's the kind of love you need. She's a little rough around the edges, but she's home when you need her to be. She wore cobwebs for crowns the day the fate it gave us. I had traveled through towns in a riddle of winding roads. Oh, we'd both bear the scars of the memories that kept us chained up. There's comfort now knowing my scars don't sleep alone. Well, the hills hug her gentle and sweetly in the stars. Pour down on her while we're dreaming And the trembling she feels Like there's death at her heels And her shakes come from Love and fear of the rain Well, 
tumble right into me. She wore cobwebs for crowns the day that faded gave us. I had traveled through towns in a riddle of winding roads. Wow. Um. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. I'm a little speechless. Um, it's a good song. It's <laughs> a, a good song, man. Um, with your music, I, I hear pictures, you know? That's when I know that someone's making something at a, just a higher equilibrium than the bullshit you hear, you know? Look, I don't want to be all hoity-toity and, and say this freshman kind of, ah, oh, the mainstream radio, man, it's all <laughs> rubbish, you know? Like, I don't want to be that guy. I am that guy. And I like a lot of mainstream stuff. One of the greatest performances I'd, I'd ever seen live was Sia, and she's just incredible. Um, she's as mainstream as it gets. But, you know, it's programming. Like, I feel like it's supposed to be passive. Like, it just sounds like marshmallows. Like, there's yeah. nothing. There's no density. When I hear your music, like, I see pictures, and it's, like, cinematic. I, I, I you know, I like to think that I'm a storyteller. Yeah, you are a storyteller. And and all these songs, there's, there's stories to them. There's, and because of that, you know, there's there's motion, and there's... There's ups and downs and, and there's there's a drama behind the there's a drama behind the music that helps drive the story home. Um at least that's the goal. Like that's what I try to do when I'm writing a song. Like I want because I want you to be able to feel what I'm feeling. Yeah. Right? Like if I hurt, I want you to hurt. If I'm happy, I want you to be happy. Like it, like all of those things, it's it's about sharing feelings. However yeah. how dumb that sounds, like that's no. what it is. No, it's not dumb. Um Wow. Um, what do you call your style? Fuck me if I know. What is, what are you doing? Like, I, I, don't I, I know, can't man. explain it. I, like, your vocals too. Like, what you're doing, who else sounds like that? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, that's one of my least favorite questions in the world, honestly, because I don't know the answer to it. People are like, what style do you play? I'm like, fuck, fuck me, dude. I don't, I play music, I play songs, I play things that make me feel good. Like, however that comes out, like, that's just, that's what's going to happen. Like, I don't, I like folk music, and I think I play, like, folky stuff. Yeah, it feels like that. That's the closest thing I can think of. But, I guess that, I don't know. How do you remember a song that you've written? Like, have how many times have you per performed that one? That one, at this point, quite a few. Really? Um, so I've So, I've made some friends here in Leander. And uh, how, how is Leander? Because I've just moved here a month ago. Uh, the, the people that I've met are all wonderful human beings. They're kind and they're supportive of me. They're all like, Adam, you should be writing some more music. And like every time they seem like, hey, will you play that song again? I'm like, yeah, man, I'll play you a song. I don't mind. Yeah. Um, so they're very supportive of me. So because of that, like I get to play the songs for them. Yeah. But I don't know. I just remember stuff. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just remember things. Wow. Like, I don't, like, uh, it's driven some other musician friends went crazy. I don't know what key any of my songs are in. Really? I have no idea. I can tell you what chords I'm playing. I don't, I don't know. Like, if you, if I take enough time, I'm like, okay, it's these chords. 
But like I have to sit down and like think about it. That's never part of my writing process. It's never part of like I'm gonna write it in this key today. Like, yeah. Nah. Do you have a process? Uh, yeah. I usually come up with like a guitar line first, like mm. I, I something fun, or whatever, and then I figure out a melody that I like over that, and then I I apply meaning to the melody with words. I want to hear another one. Uh, oh, let's do a loud one. <laughs> awesome. This one's cool. So this one's called The Tyranny of Hurricane Hannah. Okay. I like obscure names that have I'll... nothing to do with the songs. I love it. you eat but she ain't been eating since you've been drinking i guess it means that she's poison he's a stone throw from falling apart by every evening and the bars where he recovers from another disappointed lover found in his bed no Boy. 
think about this he doesn't care at all he doesn't think it's cool can you move this mic just a little closer to you yeah he doesn't care at all he's (laughs) it's funny like he's not interested in any way shape or form in any of the music that i play does he think it's like corny or whack or is Uh, he he's just not even it doesn't phase him i think maybe because that would blow my daughter's mind (laughs) uh she's never seen anything like that he he, you know my, my my son grew up with me singing songs all the time yeah so far you know it's just been you know, dad sings songs. Which is fucking, that's the thing he does. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he, like, it doesn't register to him that it's any different or any, anything. There's nothing special about it. It's yeah. just, it's me making noise. It tells me I'm loud. Yeah. How do you do that? I don't know. Like, how did you do it live, too? Like, a two-hour set. I mean. Practice. Yeah. A lot of whiskey. <laughs> Is your throat just calloused? Like, there, there's got to be muscles there or something. Yeah, well, I mean, there are, so there's muscles that, you know, and because I do this often enough, those muscles are stronger than, I guess, your average person's throat muscles. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I, I learned a long time ago that I can belt. Yeah. And... I've been doing it ever since. So I just, I've, I just recently met this uh, musician. His name's Tim V, and he's phenomenal. Mm. Like he's just an incredible musician. Uh, and we were sitting around a fire playing songs, you know. And I went off my willow wailing thing, and he's like, "Are you going to be able to speak tomorrow?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, dude. Like this is just this is just what I do. Like, this, is yeah. just, this is just how my voice works." Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Like, how would you rank your guitar skills? Shitty. Okay. I, I had a feeling. I'm, a, I, I'm not a good guitar player. I had a feeling you'd say that. Um, and vocally, you do something I've never, I mean, I can't compare it to anybody. Like, I don't know how you, I don't know what you call what you do. Make a noise. You know? Um, like, what, when was the last time you heard a song and you were inspired and you're like that, that sound or, you know? Oh, I can tell you exactly. It was uh, Somebody to Anybody by Margaret Glaspie. Um, there's this artist, her name is Margaret Glaspie, and she has an incredible voice. And she, I I was just kind of watching Tiny Desk concerts on uh, YouTube, you know, just, yeah. just kind of going through them, finding people. And she has a song called Somebody to Anybody, and I mean, it, it nearly brought me to tears. It is beautiful. And I was like, that, that's, I want to do that. What is it about it? I mean. Uh, it's about how she wasn't always very comfortable with this idea of people liking her. And like relationships, like romantic relationships. And how like her sister is the opposite of that. Like her sister like wants to be married and all these things. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm cool just, just being alone. Like I'm fine. Uh, Cause it's, I don't want to be somebody to anybody. No, no, I'm good at no one. 
I don't want to be somebody to anybody. I'm good at no one. Mm. And it's, and she does it, it's just a solo, it's her and an electric guitar, and she plays it just her, and it's fucking beautiful. So, this is the way I see things. Um, there was a while, do you remember Yed, Yedabaria? Yeah. Um, like, I had left, I had left Donna, I had left the valley, right when that place was popping, and right away, you know, people didn't like me because I was recording everybody's sets. And I just, you know, the, the people that told me, hey, take that down, I took it down. I, you know, I didn't want to burn any bridges, but yeah. I just liked, there were moments, and a few people, and, and shout out to Luis Gantu, he's, he's a crazy multifaceted artist but i saw him with a i have it right there there's that looper um yeah yeah, that green one he he i got it just because it reminds me of him i don't fucking use it um you want it those things are super fun i would love to play it's yours it's yours take it before yeah don't i'm not kidding take it it's funny um i believe in like the indian tradition of like giving somebody something when they come to your home so i knew it was going to be something i didn't know what it was going to be i have been considering getting another one of these because they're so much fun they are fun and they're it's like new it's never been used i don't have a power cord so i apologize but um Oh, I got one of those. Okay, good, good, good. I got a daisy chain for that. Okay, Mazeltov. Um, and I met him at Yerbidia, and he just blew me away. I mean, he just did something so basic, and it was on YouTube, and he saw what I was doing because he's a young guy, and he was like, he felt like, hey, put that on Reddit, and what if it explodes? And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. It was just my way of giving back to the scene, and there were some people who were working stuff out, and I get that. But I guess all that just to say presentation matters but you would have never encountered that track that you were talking about if she didn't put it and expose herself on youtube yeah and i i'm really for that especially for someone like you like pandemic you know i have tons of friends who all their con- videographer friends all their contracts were like cut you know, it impacted photographers, videographers, editors, yeah. etc. It impacted the live music scene. But if the Wi-Fi gets shut off and the power's out and a solar flare happens, you're good, baby. You got your camper. I got my camper. You got your guitar. I got my acoustic guitar. I mean, you're and good. And I got books. Like I, that's. Let's build a fire, you know, yeah. and put on a show, right? And so for me, I've always envied musicians, and I'm sure I've told you this. And you know, friend of the show, Guillen, my fr- my friend Adam Guillen, he. I just envy these you guys because you could go under a turnpike and just turn up like that's amazing. But you know, basically, I would love to film and showcase and document and just spread this stuff that you do, um, because I know there's a fucking audience for it. What I was, what I was, what I was feeling when you were singing was what you do. That is the the fraction of one percent of what I think how people make it you know it's sometimes pretty people just make it and their flashes in the pan you're pretty but oh, wait, some people you. are just pretty you <laughs> yeah. know um and we can name that list goes on forever but i think the magic sauce is tapping into emotions is making people feel something yeah like that is everything but not everybody can do it you, you almost can't teach it it's got to come from experience um and you have it and i just feel like Anything that I can do to help just get you exposed and seen 
and your everything you do will i mean dude you just need an at bat right that's it like uh, and and it's gonna it's gonna jive with everybody and you know if i was a rapper or something i would make a song a day if i could i would just freestyle every day and and some people have tried that and i feel like internet language rewards that behavior like you're feeding the algorithm you know what i mean and i've seen tons of little indie bands you know i have a a company called indie darlings i have it tattooed right here and i'm a big believer in in that spirit you know and i've seen tons of people quote unquote make it by just being exposed and bro i mean when i hear your 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 music it's like a movie it just needs to be like presented visually optically that way and i feel like that's a good fusion to get people to feel emotionally what it is you're doing especially when they can't experience it in person yeah it needs to happen well, well i'm, I'm I mean, down i'm down if you're down sure. i mean it, it needs to happen i remember uh your your talk your story reminded me of um call it a hell week when you were recording and then you did that live show at the end i had a very similar hell week uh promoting my my film in 2012 and uh i really wanted the presentation to feel like a movie so we had trailers before it little promo packages and i knocked on filmmakers houses and i was like you know i got their trailer and you know i just wanted it to feel like i really cared about that presentation and we were promoting um my friend mark's show cultasaur and part of the you know here in the draft house they have these great little promo packages before you go before you see the feature presentation and so if we screen that on a Saturday, I believe, like on a Wednesday, we filmed the O Albatross music video. And dude, I was burnt out on fumes. It took me 14 days to edit my film, you know, just to put it into perspective. Rewrapped, I think, like August 1st, and I had already booked the theater for August 18th. But I hadn't, I mean, we wrapped, and I hadn't edited the movie. Fuck. So I edited the movie in, in like 10 days, no going to sleep. I mean, twitches like every it was just fucking bananas you know um and i don't know how it happened but i saw a facebook memory (laughs) of it recently and i was like i'm fucked i got nothing but the landlocked music video like (laughs) i have to do it you know and so i remember the setup was weird but i multi-cammed it and i edited that video and, and and it's just not to be i'm not blowing smoke in my ass but it was just going through the motions and i edited that video in an hour which is fast, yeah. and we did it in one camera, and it's not perfect, but like it's it the feeling was there, yeah, and just any opportunity that I had to amplify what it is you do makes me feel alive essentially even even burnt out and i've I've been there, um but I just would love to do that, and it's just. Well, I got a bunch of new songs. <laughs> Fuck, man. Like, I don't know what to say. It's just nuts. And my only my only thing is just to do its service, you know, just yeah. to do it justice. That's That would be the only challenge. But literally what you well, do I is... You. Well, I literally what you do is incredible, man. Um, let's hear another one. This one's sad. Oh, yay. I, sad's my favorite. <laughs> I used to like the way that you smoked And the cracks you leave in your throat 
And the pretty shoes you wear out to dance And how you knew all the things that I can't So I lost you on one terrible cold spring Didn't know I could cry hard on my knees So I dressed you in your favorite dancing shoes Cause that is how I'd like to remember you Cause you gotta dig deep, dig fast Cause that is where my love was last Yeah, you gotta dig deep, dig fast Cause that is where my love was last Everyone showed all dressed up in black And a wicked wind, it howled at my back Telling me to climb myself into the ground Cause that is where my last love was found So I took the wicked wind for his word And I dug myself a hole into the earth well, I think you like the times I wore a tie So I'm wearing one on my way to die Cause you gotta dig deep, dig fast Cause that is where my love was last Yeah, you gotta dig deep, dig fast Cause that is where my love was last yeah, that is where my love was last. Oh, yeah, it is where my love was last. Wow. Sorry, I muted myself there. Where did that, where did that come from? Um, I was very much in love with this lady. And, uh... I thought to myself, you know, like, what would happen if she died? It was just, you know, like, because if you, if you love someone, you, you fear losing them. And, uh, and, and, you know, that fear was very real for me. So that's, that's what that song is about. Like this idea that, you know, and then it turned itself into this like story in my head. And I imagine it's like this old man who's loved his wife for a really long time, you know, and, like I built this whole backstory for this couple in my head. Like they'd go out dancing and smoke cigarettes together, and uh, and then uh, you know, imagine loving someone for that long and then losing them. That's that's painful and sad to even really think about. Um, so that's the story I wrote. I'm a big meditator, you know, and it's funny because it's like trendy to be a meditator you know like mindful and all these things but i'm very big on it and it's therapeutic and it helps me and it's re it's a recurring theme death and oftentimes i see myself at my mom's funeral who's she hasn't died yet or 
my child's funeral and yeah, i'm like scary shit it's really scary and then i get there and before i know it i'm fucking crying and the one person that like i can't even hallucinate their death is my spouse like i can't even think about claire dying i can't even think about that like yeah. that for some reason that's hits different man yeah and that's <laughs> i understand you up I, I completely understand. So that's what that was. was I, I loved this person and, and the thought of losing them uh, it filled me with existential dread. Yes. What's that song called? Dig Deep. Yeah. Um, I'm very fascinated and, 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 and I want my friends who are so talented to win. You know, like I've always felt. I want my friends to succeed. Yeah. I want all of my friends to succeed. Yeah. And when I've they do, I'm like, super happy for them. I feel like if I if I make it, we all make it. Like, it's yeah. just, you know, it's a little little thing I feel. Um, so I want to help you win. Like, who who are artists of careers you admire, like their trajectory? I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, I don't, you don't pay look attention. Into that, huh? I don't. I, I, I don't know anything about, like, I, there's, I, I listen to a lot of music. I listen to music daily. Um, but this is to your detriment in a, in a variety of bands well you know I, I don't I don't care you don't like, care I love their music and I love how it affects my life and you know when people like tell me cool facts about people's stories like that's cool to know yeah but I I, I just care about the music really well, that sounds really stupid and shallow no, I know, you're, like, you're, I feel like you're so lucky like that's, um, that's all that matters to me I don't know the names of band members in any of the bands that I listen to yeah. like I just, yeah. just don't um, because I, I I spend a lot of my time listening to the songs like that's that's the thing that they're doing that you know affects my life like I don't care where you were born mm -hmm. it doesn't like that's not going to change the song for me in any way um, do you set aside time in your day or in your week to write music? Not really. So can can three, six, nine months go by and you haven't written anything? Um, I think that's kind of how like those last two years where I didn't do anything happened. I just put my guitar down and didn't pick it up. But now, especially lately, like I've been, I've I, especially because I, I have I have a a space where I feel comfortable. Um, a safe space. I have a safe space. Yeah. And, you know, it's Montana. And, and because I'm there and I, I live, I have a cat. Oh. You know, that's it's just me and my cat. Yeah. Um, you are Lewin Davis. <laughs> yeah, just about. You are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just me and my cat. And then, you know, I when a song comes to me, it comes to me. Like, I just started one. Like this, and this is generally how it happens. Like, like oh, that would sound cool. And then I go from there. And there's a so this one's not done. Like this is what a halfway finished song okay. sounds like. Uh, this one's called "She's a Swinger." My friend named it. And great job, good job, Sean. She said, "Don't look at me, 'cause I ain't the same kind of pretty." I was before She heard if you're bad at tying knots and tie some more So she went to task 
Until her hand stuck to her blood and her skin was torn Until she finally found the knot she was aiming for Well, everybody's got a goal, but she doesn't want to go the same Oh, my lord, she want to swing Oh, lord, she want to swing Well, she doesn't want to go the same Oh, lord, she want to swing Well, everybody's got a goal, but she doesn't want to go the same Oh, lord, she want to swing Oh, my lord, she want to swing Well, she doesn't want to go the same Oh, my lord, she want to swing No, like it's nowhere close to done. I feel it needs more. It's like that's it needs more. What else does it need? Another, I don't know. Another what? verse. The story's not done yet. Oh, I see. Like it needs more because the story's not done, yeah. and that's how I know the song's not done because I haven't finished the story yet. All your, I was gonna say Sonics because I look at this is a visual this is Sonics paintings, right? Um, all your songs are, have narratives. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. Every one of them. Every song is a story. Yeah. Um, it's just how I like to, that's how I like to do it. Do you ever write something so personal and you're like, I can't say that? Um, no. It's never happened? I don't think so. I, I mean, think about it. Like, so there's a lot of songs that they're, like, I have a lot of murder songs. I murder songs. I have murder songs. Um... <laughs> And I've obviously never murdered anybody. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm not a violent person. I've never been in a fist fight. Mm. I've never punched anybody in my entire life. Hmm. Uh, I just, it's not my jam. I don't, I don't know. I found a way to talk my way out of most of my problems. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if I can talk about murder and, you know, Albatross, dude, that song's full of murder. People die all over that song. Yeah. Every like it starts off with the dude like the the, the boat is sinking and everybody's dying. Yeah. Um. And it talks about how they go and they like because they're pirates and they travel the seven seas and steal from a bunch of British people and they murder everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I figure if I can talk about that in a song, I'd talk about anything. Wow. Um. Can you play me something deeply personal? Yeah. I don't think you've heard. It gets loud. <laughs> so the song's called uh, Ghost. Uh, and it is... I have horrible depression, right? I just... It, it's there. And it can be crippling at times. And it doesn't ever actually go away. You know, you learn to manage it and deal with it. And, and like right now, like I said, I'm, I'm in a better headspace and I'm more mentally healthy right now than I have been in a very long time. But that depression is like this ghost that haunts me. So I decided to write the song where the ghost gets a voice. Uh, and this is my depression um, talking to me through a song. words to it 
This happens to me sometimes, and that's my own song. Oh, there it is. Got it. All the things that you run from and all your pain Write it in the mirrors when you try and get clean The rattle in your throat, it makes it hard to speak Reckon your life, it's all pleasure to me Cause I am your ghost And I'm haunting your homes I'm rattling on the doors And I'm wrecking your homes So let me haunt you Let me haunt you Let me haunt you I said, now hold on, hold on. Well, I'll never let you hit the ground. A place where I know you will belong. I said, now hold on. I think that might be your favorite, my favorite song. It's a good one. I do think so. It's very emotional. Fuck. That fucking hurts. That fucking hurts, man. Ay, ay, ay. And that's what it, that's, that's, that's what my depression feels like. That's, that's, that's the best representation of, of what my depression feels like in my life. It feels, it sounds like, it felt like to me, like, Like a specter shoving a dagger in your heart. Yeah. And taking 
I was gonna say taking glee in like your in your whale, but no, it's it's um dispassionate. It's just what it does. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking terrifying, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is terrible. Um God damn, that was beautiful. Um so that's that's the most accurate depiction of, of what my depression is to me in the song that I think I've ever done. When did you write that one? A few years ago. And then I just I just kind of like slipped through the cracks and never played it for anybody. And then I stopped playing music for a couple of years, right? So it just never went anywhere. It it's just rattled around in my brain. If I'm like some sort of hot shot, like, hey there, boy, you got some spunk. Like, let's... <laughs> Let's put you in the in the music studio, see, and uh, we're gonna make some. We're gonna make. We're gonna be printing some cash. Uh, what what do you bill yourself as? How do you present yourself? Promote yourself? Like, what is the packaging? Like, these songs are emotionally all over the place. But yeah, you know, I want to. You know, I just don't know. Like, do you uh, album wise? Like, do you think you paint in in pictures? Like, do you think? Well, here's the depression album, and then here's the me, the 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 redemption album. Like, you know, how do you compartmentalize I think, that? I don't think life works like that. So I think it'd be a disservice to make an album like that. Yeah. Um. Life, life doesn't work that way. Sometimes you know you're sad. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes good things happen. Sometimes people die. If I'm William Moneybags, how many? That's his name. Wait, money back. Gotcha. How 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 many tracks do you have in the can ready to go that haven't been recorded? Yes. Uh, let's think. This is gonna be weird, but I have to like play a beat of like it's just yeah. how I remember things. Yeah, yeah. So there's Ghost, right? Mm. And then oh fuck, there's this other new one. I get like kind of bluesy and shit. Okay. So is that? Yeah. Uh. That one, that one. Uh, and then, you know, Montana and Dig Deep and Hurricane Hannah. And then... There's the Whale Song. Six. At least six songs that haven't been recorded. Do you remember all the songs you've written? Uh, most of them. There's some from, like, that first album that nobody ever knows, like, the Sin, yeah. Sex, and Sarcasm album. That I can't remember. Like about, I've tried and. What about business for thieves or oh, is it of thieves? Uh, business for thieves. For thieves. Uh, I remember those. Yeah. Remember that carpentine one? Carpentique. Is, is that what it was called? Uh, yeah. The. Are you talking uh, the fast one? Mm. The. No, it wasn't that one. Was it? Oh, carpentique. Uh. Dur, 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 dur. Can you play it? Yeah. Oh, thank you, sir. Remember when we started in 86? We had one showroom and damn business grew quick. Well, I had my cars, you had your jewels and cigars. We had the copper tea, the tea kept us rich. There was Flanagan's drinking in the day. For a nice dinner, 
That's a great one. That's a good one. That's a really it's super good, sad. Too. That's a really good one, dude. Fucking uh, sad as shit. Who are some like musical acts that people sleep on that they talk a lot of shit, but they're they're really good and they need more love? Um, in your opinion, I don't know. I mean, I can think of a bunch of people who I think need more love for sure. Like who? Uh. Margaret Glasby, she's one of them. I think she's just phenomenal. Oh, you know what? I guess there is an answer to this. Fiona Apple. Apparently people don't like Fiona Apple, and I think they're all fucking stupid. What? Because I've never met one. Because she is I'd never listened to her, like, yeah. ever. She's something else. Um, and then a friend of mine, uh, she was like, shut up, you're going to listen to this with me. Yeah. Blew my fucking mind. Yeah. She is incredible. Yeah. Um, and apparently, you know, some, I don't know. I think she gets, like, a rap for being like, oh, she's just an angry white lady singing songs. And I'm going to oh. tell all of those people to politely go fuck themselves. Because <laughs> um, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, <laughs> like that's yeah. just the dumbest, like, that's the <laughs> dumbest thing to say about this woman. She's just uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, 
She new record this year too. And it is good. Yeah, it's complex. Yeah. She's just so fucking good. Yeah. Um she's one of those if it if it's another 5 to 10 years for another album. Okay. I'll wait. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um she's really great. Uh Let's see. <laughs> Pine Box Boys. Have you heard of the Pine Box Boys? I haven't. I haven't. I've I've, I've gone on like a musical journey this year, and I've learned mm. all of these bands that I've never heard of before. The Pine Box Boys are also really good. They're great storytellers. Mm. Like that's what I love the most about them. They're they tell these really intricately woven, uh, almost like magical realism stories. Wow. Um. There's one called Tales from the Emancipated Head. Uh, it's the name oh. of the album. Wow. And just great songs about all these like wild characters and these crazy things that they do and there's, you know, murder and death and um sad, sad songs and really fun, like rambunctious. I mean they they cover the bases. And again, their storytelling their storytelling is just amazing. Would you call yourself a perfectionist? No. What do you say to musicians that I don't know what you call it, you know, um, can't let a track go. Like they're trying, it's not right yet. You know, all that kind of stuff. We know those people. Yeah. Uh, you gotta learn to just love what you have. Like speak to them cause they need to hear it. You gotta learn to love what you have. Like perfection in music is the dumbest. I think the dumbest thing that you can try to like put together Music is about so much more than perfection. It's it's about like your heart and your soul, and it's about your life. You're sharing yourself with the world every time you play a song, and you are not perfect. I mean, yes, you can strive to be better, and you can strive to make your music better, and you can get close to these things. But like truly and absolutely, like aiming because everything's got to be perfect is a horrible way to treat yourself. Um, music should be, I think. Music's more delicate than that. Perfect things are sharp and, and they have straight edges and music doesn't. Music is round and, and wonky and, and it can be weird and kitschy and sometimes you gotta, you know, let yourself wail. And I know I sound strange. I know I sound strange when I wail. I fucking know when I have a rasp and I smoke too many cigarettes and But that's okay because that's that's a it's a representation of who I am as a person. And I'm not perfect. No one's music should be. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's doing yourself a disservice. Well, do you think? Do you think there's something else going on? Because you're not afraid to be a raw, bare, naked nerve. Yeah. And say, you know, hurt me. You know, with your criticism or your what have you. I think people are afraid, like, what other people think maybe too much. Yeah, quit. Fuck them. Who cares? Fuck them. Like I said, I was told to stop singing a long time ago. Um, And if I cared that much about what people think, I would have stopped a long time ago. But here I am now, singing sad, sad old man songs. And I think I've gotten kind of good at it. Yeah. Um, Because fuck the criticism. Like, your song doesn't have to be for everybody. Not everybody's going to like your music. And that's totally okay. I don't like everybody's music. Yeah. Nobody does. That's, that's, it's setting up these ridiculous expectations um, that I think in the end hurt the artist. 
and the art. What's a what's an example of a song? I'm sure there's many that you kind of think is like the composition, the story, the structure. It's kind of perfect. Oh, let me tell you one. Um, fuck, this is gonna be so embarrassing. Uh, this is so embarrassing. So for for years, like for 15 years, my favorite song was Fleetwood Mac's "Beautiful Child." I don't know why. I pirated their music when I was like 14, and I didn't know what I was getting. And I heard that song, and I was like, just the first three seconds, I was like, it's my favorite song. Like, this just happened. And a very uh, the, the exact same thing happened. I had heard um, Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. Yeah. And it was uh, this live version in, um, I don't think it was, ha- not Harlem. It was um, Compton, uh, somewhere in, in, in um, California. Harlem. Uh, somewhere in California. And it was like a stop everything that I'm doing. I heard the song and I fucking cried, man. Like I, it was a big, big, gross cry. And I'm like, that's my favorite song. Like that, that, what that is, what that song is, is so intangible. And I mean, movies aspire for that. You know, movies spend millions, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars to, affect somebody that way and it was just so elegant and it had pictures you know you heard pictures like what is an example of a song where you're like that's kind of perfect i think uh when my time when my time comes by dawes Fuck, man, you keep blowing me away with shit I haven't heard before. I need to hear uh, this. This one, it's beautiful. I, I, I love beautiful vocal harmonies. Like, that's the thing that draws me to music. Like, when I hear people do these beautiful harmonies. And uh, the song is about this guy who's kind of, like, lost himself, and, and he's trying to figure out. And he's 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 calling himself out. Like, like mm. he's, like, a... Uh, there's, like, this one line where he's, like, I'm, I'm sleeping in hallways and I'm drinking perfume. Um, because he's... He can't seem to get a grasp on on life, uh, and the big court. The chorus is really big. And it says, "When my time comes, oh!" And it's beautiful. And there's like four part vocal harmonies, and it's just fucking. I I think when I first heard that song, I listened to it on repeat for like a week straight. Just that was the only song I listened to, and I just kept listening, kept listening, kept listening because it hit home. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one. When My Time Comes by Dawes. Highly recommend it. Everybody should listen to it. I can't wait to hear it. Um, yeah, because your music sounds like every track is going to be somebody's favorite song. I would hope so. It has that. It has that intangible quality. Um, all right, I'm super happy, and I can't wait to chop this up and hear this again, man. I'm very serious, and take me up on it. I'm not saying I'm Stanley Kubrick or anything, but... I get you. I get what you're doing. I see you, and I want to be able to uh, share that. I guess the way I've done for the past ten years, you know, try to anyways. But you move me. It's so special. Uh, oh, I feel I so lucky that, to know you, and I'm glad that you you got out of the abyss, man. Because me too. That, and I've never. I can't lace your boots. Like I've never felt how that has felt. That kind of betrayal. Um. Yet, but you know, I had a real hard time. In 2012, 2013, it was terrible. It was like nine months of paralysis. And uh, I still get like PTSD from it. 
And it was all, people will say it was self-inflicted or whatever, but it's like. Yeah, but it was traumatic to you and it absolutely. hurt you. And, and yeah. you still have PTSD. I totally understand that yeah. feeling. I'm, there's still things that scare me to this day. Exactly. And. Something people are going to say, because, you know, I've interviewed, um, not that this is an interview, but I, I've talked to people and they're, I get emails and they're like, well, this person, you know. Um, did you know that this person did this and like, you know, take your podcast down or whatever. And, you know, I always talk to my friend or my guest and I'm like, yo, this person's saying this, like, I feel like you should know that. What do you want me to do about this? And they're just like, that person's whatever, you know, stuff like that happens. Um, there's nothing I hate more than, I know you said you, you haven't been in a fight and that's good because they're overrated. But there's nothing I hate Sounds more like than hurt. than after a fight and, and, and people tell you afterwards, well, I would have did this. I was like, no, you were in the fight. You had your chance to do that. You didn't do it. So that's a, that's a big reality of like you had your shot. You missed. It's what it is. What do you say to someone who is going to reach out to this podcast and say, Adam did this, Adam's that? Like, I, I guess I want to give you the platform and the opportunity to, to squash it in, in this moment. Uh, you know, uh, the person who made the accusations is a horrible lying cunt. Um, she brought in other people who she accused me of doing things to other people and they're friends of mine and I called them up and I was like are you accusing me of doing shit and they're like we don't know what you're talking about like, well there you go um, you know if, if people aren't going to believe me they're not going to believe at this point it's been years and if you're set in your ways and you really think I'm just this kind of fucking monster then I guess you just don't know me and that's, I, I feel bad for you because I think for the most part, I'm a pretty nice person. Yeah. You know, I like to treat my friends well. Um, I make food for people for fun because I like to feed people. Uh, I said, if, if you're set in your ways and you're set in your ways and I can't change you, I, the only thing I have any control over is my own behavior and my actions. So I think that would be it. Yeah. Yeah, well said. I just wanted wanted you to have that opportunity in the moment because to me, that's that's my statement. You know, yeah, I co-sign that um, wholeheartedly. I feel like there's no better way not to put pressure on you um, to end this show. And thank you for this. It's been incredible. I learned a lot. I got a lot out of it, but also was moved. I mean, how often does this happen for anyone to be like an audience of one? It's insane. Um, I just want to give you the mic and you do you. And if you want to, if you want to play a song to, you know, to send us off, I, I would be very, very grateful for it. And thank you so much for coming on my show. Which song? And real fast, where can people support you and find you on the internet? Uh, Spotify. All my Landlock Pirate stuff is on Spotify. Um, the, the Albatross album and the, uh, Another Drink, like EP. They're on Spotify. That's really the only place to find me because I disappeared from the world kind of on purpose. Um, but if you want to listen to it on Spotify, you're more than welcome to. Hopefully, uh, you know, me and my friend Vicky will be recording some stuff soon. I'm very excited about that because it's some really cool shit. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, like, it makes me very happy. Um, and I guess I'll keep everybody updated, you know? If something comes up, I'll let you know. I'll make a Facebook post or something. 
it's really the only place to find. I'm on Facebook. I don't have Twitter or Instagram or any Snapchats. Yeah. Or I don't. I don't have any of that shit. So, Facebook, Adam Moya. I'm the monkey. All right. Last song. This is a good one. It's called Mausoleum Song.
Adam Moya, everybody. I think that might be my favorite. <laughs> That's a good one. It's a good one. Mausoleum song. Thanks, man. I really enjoyed this, man. Thank you very much. Thank I had you a great so time. Much. Come meet my family. Yeah. Oh, that was so good.